episode 13 of the randomista podcast i'm your host laura and of course this is the podcast that strives to bring humanity and human stories back to the conversations around bicycles i have a great show for you today i'm very excited um in my intro we'll talk a little bit about bike news and some events uh again i don't have a co-host but that's because i am Planning long-term to have a singular co-host, hopefully for the summer, for an extended period of time. PQ has agreed to come back and host with me, and we're going to record in person. So I want to wait until we can record in person and have that really nice recording together. So I'm very excited about that. Um, And then, of course, I have uh, my part two talking about racing with Gabby and Bridget, who are able to come on a bike ride with me. I will have video of them shortly. I got very sick last week. Um, If you saw my Instagram, you saw that I actually lost my voice entirely last week. Um, So apologies for the delay in getting this podcast out. But I'm very excited to be back in action. So we'll go through part two with the recap of how their race went, which should be very exciting. And then for my deeper dive, I talked to the one of the co-founders of the Hustle Hive and also one of the current uh, leaders of Hustle Hive, talking about the creation of that group and how they formed into the mountain biking group that they are today and how they're kind of helping the society, trying to get more basically uh, non-men to, uh, cisgender men to, you know, ride bikes, especially mountain bikes. So that is a great conversation, which will be really fun to hear. Um, And then we'll wrap up with a replay of one of my favorite episodes of the game, which was my first episode with Bridget. Uh, I very sadly did not have Watson with me for Friends on Bikes Eating Dessert, so I thought it'd be fun to have an episode in which he was praised pretty heavily by Bridget right at the beginning. So you'll get a little bit of your Watson moment there. Um, I've also been enjoying some uh, drama that was happening on the unnamed neighborhood uh, forum today, um, basically around some Porter Square uh, bike lanes, which I'll get into in a second. So Without further ado, let's head right into bike news. Bike news. All right. So in bike news this week, I just have one piece of news that I want to hit on before I touch on a couple of upcoming events. And it's the fact that apparently there is a lawsuit against the city of Cambridge around the Porter Square bike lanes. So the saga continues. Uh, Unfortunately, Someone's trying to claim that, you know, these lanes aren't what they said they were going to be, that, you know, it just feels like the opposition is really trying to tell a story about how, oh, they weren't voted on, none of this. It was, you know, it it just feels very much like they just can't let this happen and they're going to tie it up in a frivolous lawsuit. So I don't have a lot of details yet, but a lawsuit has been filed um, by people within the small businesses who are big, uh, 
against bike lanes. And it's just kind of a bummer. So um, I'll have updates on that in the future, but I wanted to let people know that that saga is ongoing. Uh, but in brighter news, we do have a couple of really fun events coming up. Uh, all three of these events that I'm about to mention are events that I am either running or attending, but I'm definitely affiliated with. So you definitely want to come to them. At least 50% of them will have a Watson with them. So definitely worth checking out. The first is my second REI-sponsored Sunset Cycling Series that I'm doing with Women on Wheels. I'm very excited that that is coming back. Uh, we are going to be leaving out of the Cambridge location, and that is on Thursday, June 23rd, and we are leaving at 5.30, so it's a little bit earlier than it was last time because we will be right at Cambridge Crossing, and there's this really cool um, summer nights concert that is happening there. So if you come to the event, we'll do a little out and back on the river, come back to the event on June 23rd, and you'll get to enjoy this free concert that's happening in Cambridge, and there will be a Watson. So definitely come out to that event. That'll be really, really fun. And the uh, uh, sign-up, you do need to RSVP. That will be in the show notes. Um, the second event happening the following Saturday, the 25th, is Ride for Black Lives Celebrating Black Joy. And this is kind of in honor of Juneteenth. We're not doing it this weekend so that people can enjoy the holiday, but we wanted to make sure for June that that was still happening and we're partnering with Bikes Not Bombs to help make those events happen. So for that one, it is going to be leaving a little later than it usually does, 11.30 a.m., um, so that we can end at the brand new mural by the um, artist Pro Black. He's done a ton of murals throughout Boston. Um, what's Oh, it's Dewey Square. And in Dewey Square, uh, there is a beer garden. There's all kinds of things. So there's a big event happening there that we're going to end so that we can kind of link up with all of that. So that should be a really fun event. Definitely go to that one. There may be a Watson there. Um, and then finally on Sunday, so that was Saturday, on Sunday is the 6th. I can't believe that sixth annual Walden Pond ride that I'm leading with Common Wheels, my nonprofit. And that's a really fun one. We'll show you a really easy, not too hilly route to get out to Walden, bring snacks, bring a suit, whatever you want to do. We'll go to Walden Pond. We'll hang out for a little bit and then we'll come back. And there's some really fun uh, routes that we'll take, some pump paths, sun fun pathways that will go on um, and that's kind of an all-day event but we're going to leave at 10 o'clock and you'll probably get in about late afternoon so expect to kind of hang out all day bring snacks grab lunch we'll stop places for food um, but it should be a really good time so those are the big three i will be at all three of them so come out have a good time uh and we will jump right into friends on bikes eating dessert thanks everyone Today is part two of our racing discussion with Bridget and Gabby. Say hello. Hello, 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 everybody. Hello, people. 
Last time we had just Bridget with us. Uh, excuse me. No, last time I had just Gabby with okay, us. Okay. My bad. You're the same person. We've talked about <laughs> yes, this. We do the same thing. No, I know. <laughs> you just said that to me the other day that yeah, like people confuse you all yeah. the time. I will post a picture. You'll see them in the promo photo. They're the same person. It's totally true. They look very exactly alike. Yeah. <laughs> different father, different mother, but we're the same. Yeah. 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 Um, but before we jump in, um, this is very exciting. This is my first Friends on Bikes Eating Dessert, where I'm back outside in person. We're going to do a little ride together in a second. A training ride um, in, you know, Ooh. being inspired by the aspirations of our racers here. Also, there's no Watson with us today, which is very sad. This is the first one he hasn't been to outside. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. You'll see him later. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get started, a tradition that I had started um, and it kind of fell off because we were doing indoor recordings is that I like to do a couple of fun facts at the start. Do you want to hear some fun facts about this area? Yes, let's go ahead. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So these fun facts are a little more personal today um, versus like specifically about Cleveland Circle. And the first one is that I used to live here for like three years just down the street right over there. You can practically see where my apartment was like quarter mile that way. Um, so this was, you know, home for me for a while. And I have to say, part of the reason I don't live here anymore, and Gabby can attest to this for just biking here just now, it's all uphill to oh get home. God. I'm looking up the hill. I mean, looking at where you're living, it is slight uphill. Yeah. Well, that's just like from here, it was uphill to get to Cleveland Circle. Oh, yeah, no, that for real. Up, up the street, coming up the hill, I'm in my hybrid bike, and I'm get, I'm going up, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I have to come kind of stand up for my bike and my saddle because there's no way I'm going to just sit on this bike and just get up this hill. It is hilly. It is hilly. And then fun fact number two is Bridget used to live in this area too. Yes, I did. So I used to live, like, right behind this, like, once you pass the stores, you make a left right behind there. It's actually my first ever apartment in Boston, so... Two years, yep. And I moved away because our building just got too college like undergrads, trashing it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> That's fair. I totally understand that. That's uh, why I live where I live now. Um, my last final fact here is that this route that we're about to take is actually the route that I used to train on all those years ago when I <laughs> make it sound like it was so long ago, but it was pretty long ago when I was living in this area. <laughs> um, no, it was like, uh, well, it would have been like seven or eight years ago. I was just starting out riding a lot and I would join the Green Line Velo Crew going out on um, Beacon Street here. So we're going to do the route that I used to do with them. Yeah, they'd meet. You'll, you'll gather where all these other folks are gathering here. And that, yeah. I said you will be gathering just like we watch some of these other groups gather and just go. Yeah, it's a Wednesday night ride that I think Landry's is still running because they're sponsored by Landry's. Yeah, they're still um, doing it, yeah. Wednesday evenings, I think 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, so I would rush home from work and grab my bike and I'd come and I'd do this ride with them. And it, it really uh, got me out more and it was it was fun. I I don't know that I would join them now, but I, it was a good way for me to, to wet my feet in terms of getting out and riding. 
So if you still want to do it, let us know. We might <laughs> we'll do it together. Wow is currently looking for more members, you know, for yeah. the subcategory of our of WOW membership here. People um, who are interested in racing can, like, yeah, just DM us on Instagram and let us know that I'm interested in racing, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. That's uh, Women on Wheels Boston on, on Instagram, which, of course, will be tagged in the show notes and yes. everywhere, so you can't miss it. Um, but speaking of racing, the two of you finally had your first race. Let's hear a little recap. Bridget, how did you feel going into that race? So let's backtrack a little bit. The night before, I was freaking out, laying on my bed, thinking about all the things that could go wrong, right, instead of the things that could go right. And at that time, I was still, like, feeling the aftermath of COVID, so my lungs were still hurting a lot because I have asthma, um, full disclosure. So I was freaking out. Uh, <laughs> Texted the coach. I'm, I'm so yeah. glad you disclosed that. That was really killing me. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, yeah, I was texting the coach that got us into it, texting friends and be like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. So the race morning, it was super cold. And when I mean cold, it was like long bibs, long jerseys, um, like winter gloves, um, well, all that good stuff, right? We got there a little late because we got the time wrong, so we didn't have time to warm up. <laughs> well, we got there, people were gathering at the starting line. So we went for it. Um, I speak for myself, I wasn't prepared. I just went for it, and all I knew was I was suffering. My, my lungs were hurting, I was trying to keep up. And bear in mind, we competed with a bunch of men too. Yeah. So for me, I felt like the hardest part was just to keep going. And that race taught me how Everything's actually in the mind, despite how your body's feeling, how painful, how fatigued, or, you know, how you feel. It's just about, like, thinking that I need to finish this. So I did. I finished it, and I will do it all over again. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons um, from that first race, and I'm definitely planning to go back and try to fix those little things if I, you know... Hopefully sometime in July we're going to do another one, so we'll see how it goes. We'll keep you guys posted. Stay tuned. All right, Gabby, what's your recap? So my recap from the uh, little podcast we did, um, I mentioned what I was mostly afraid of is the lack of training I did. It was very, very minimal for me. And um, going into it and seeing all these other guys line up with, you know, these expensive bikes, hardcore D'sed up, like quads, I'm like, I'm going to get dropped and there's no way I could keep up. So in my mind, I was kind of already psyching myself out. But after talking... After talking to a lot of other people, like, you know, Bridget was one of them, um, the discussion was, we're already here. Let's just do it. We never know what the turnout's going to be. We might end up liking it. And that's exactly what happened. I got on a race. I was able to stay with the pack more than I thought I was going to stay with the pack. And it actually encouraged me to train harder so I could try to stay with them longer. Not beat them yet, but that is the, that is the goal is to beat them. Um, but to train harder and um, stay with them as much as I can throughout the whole entire race. So at the end, when I was done, I was very proud of myself, honestly, with the very minimal training I did um, and being able to keep up with the guys. You know, I'm I would definitely do it again. Yeah. Oh, I'm proud of you too, Bridget. Yeah. Aww, <laughs> so much love right here. Um, I think the important thing for me out of this story is, one, as Bridget started talking, I was like, oh, no, I don't know if this is a recommendation for <laughs> riding but I it's I, I think they call it like type a fun where it's like it's really intense but it's so rewarding yeah. that you just want to exactly. keep doing more of it so I think that's an important uh, thing to think about with racing that 
it can be intimidating. But the reason I want to yeah. have this discussion yeah. is to make it, you know, de demystify this yeah. whole yeah. process. So um, what's something that you've learned that you didn't you didn't think about at all going into racing? I think I didn't think that I would enjoy it this much. I mean, okay, so I chase dopamine all the time. I chase adrenaline all the time, which is, for most of us, is a fact, right? But being able to race and just being in an environment, no matter how long it's take, it will take maybe half an hour, an hour, just being in that high-paced, intense environment where you're hurting, but you know that you're not suffering alone, that pain brings so much pleasure at the end. Think of it as a, a uh, how to describe it by keeping it PG-13 is... Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to? <laughs> no. Imagine... Really, are you sure? Yeah, I'm really <laughs> sure about that. Like, the foreplay took so fucking long, right? <laughs> but the orgasm was amazing. <laughs> I love it. That's pretty much what it and, is, and this okay? this is my friend because I love it. That's Straight pretty up, much, yeah. core, exactly how it should be. Yep. Said. There you go. Oh man, honestly for me is, um, I, growing up I love competitive sports. I love being part of a team and I felt like when I am part of a, a, like a group of girls or and we're there to uh, compete and to do something, like this is my moment to shine, this is my moment to like help my team win. And that's something that I personally uh, lacked or I personally did not get involved for a very long time. So when I found cycling and I became part of this wonderful community and I met so many great people, I'm like, wow, I, I, I want to see where this will take me next. And then when racing came about, I'm like, I never thought about, you know, me personally getting on a bike and racing. And um but yeah, meeting these group of girls uh, put me back into that mindset. It's like, I want more. And like, like she, Bridget was saying, um, dopamine is something that I always chase as well, but to a certain degree, because I, I am getting older, you know? I don't want to hurt myself, <laughs> but I love it. I love the sports. I love, it in general, just being part of the team. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else we could do here. And then I think I want to add on a little bit um, to remind people that you're never too old to start. Um, I've thought that. Uh, many people have thought that that's not true, yeah. um, especially for females. Um, our peak is actually in our 30s, so if you're considering it, please, please um, join us. I think another thing I want to touch on is sometimes if you have been like cycling for a while and be like, I'm serious about this, right? How do you take it to the next level to feel like, wow, I can call myself now a racer, right? So many people have all these thoughts about what is holding you back. But my thing is this, I was scared shitless before I started, still scared shitless, but the idea is to do it scared mm -hmm. because there's no other way, right? Do it and if you hate it, fine, don't do it again, but at least try to say that, hey, I've done it, but I hate it, you know? Or better yet, you would love it and you'll do it again right. and again and again. Right. So yeah, life is short. Um, yeah, do it because yeah, just do it. Yeah. yeah. And here's like yeah. another misconception that I hear a lot when I'm talking to girls or women in general. It's like, well, what makes you a cyclist? Are you able to get on the bike and ride? Yeah. Are you able to ride more than 10, 15 minutes? Not to put a time frame in it. Yeah. So you're a cyclist. You know, doesn't mean you have to be a certain height, a certain uh, weight, a certain like structure to, to be considered a cyclist. Just get on your bike and go. Yeah. We also do understand that, yes, the typical cyclist looks a certain way, um, but we can break those stigmas. It's not true that, you know, if you don't look like your stereotypical cyclist, you can't do it. Yes. Are there, you know, certain physiques that make cycling more effective? The answer is yes, but at the same time, there are ways to 
get stronger and those things won't matter so if you're ever thinking that about yourself um that's yeah that's not a fact so yeah 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 and that's what i strive for with all of my conversations if you got on a bike today you are a bike rider mm -hmm. that is just full stop you are part of the club so i love that mentality um there was something else you said that I wanted to comment on, but now I've forgotten because you had so many great things to say. It's not about the foreplay, is it? No. <laughs> no, <it wasn't. laughs> no, no. Another podcast. <laughs> um, but to round out this conversation, and thank you so much, ladies, for coming back yeah. for part two and, and letting us know about how the race went. Um, but to wrap up this segment, what, what is your favorite type of dessert? Ooh, a favorite? I don't have a favorite, but I think right now, the current obsession is, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Gabby, go first. I so, think, yeah. it's going to be the most Hispanic thing for me to say, but tres leches cake. Oh my God, if you never had a tres leches cake, you're not living. That, that cake is so freaking delicious. Tres leches, guys, tres leches. I think for me, anything chewy, like anything like, yeah, anything chewy, like Asian desserts for me. Like a like a mochi donut. Okay, that would be the one. Mochi donuts mochi are amazing. amazing. And uh, we're sitting right here. There's a really uh, that's one in Austin. Like a really nice place. So if you guys wanna know, yeah, um, Instagram us and we will talk. <laughs> I love how your answers are very like about your person because my answer is anything with peanut butter, which is like the most American thing I could say. That's pretty American. <laughs> so perfect. I love it. We we fit our stereotypes. Anyway. Again, as I said before, you'll see a picture of all of us. We're clearly all the same person. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, Gabby, Bridget, thank you so much for doing this. Let's go out and ride. Okay, thank you. Thank thank you. you. Welcome to a deeper look. Today I have two lovely ladies joining me. Um, I have uh, Kristen and Charlotte and I'll have them introduce themselves in a moment, but I asked them to come on because I wanted to hear about starting the Hustle Hive, which is a really cool mountain biking, um, women and uh, basically non-cis men group out there riding bikes. So Charlotte, Kristen, feel free to introduce yourselves, tell people who you are. Sure. Uh, thanks for having us, Laura. So my name is Charlotte Fagan, and I am one of the founding members of the Hustle Hive, and really excited to be here to talk about the journey that the Hustle Hive has been on over the last four to five years. And my name is Kristen Turpin. I'm um, not one of the founding members of the Hustle Hive, but I've kind of been I've been on the team while Charlotte was away pursuing graduate studies, and have kind of seen its evolution in the past three or four years, three years, three years. Amazing. Um, we will talk more in depth about that group and how it got started and everything, but let's kind of take a step back. Tell me a little bit more about yourselves. I think the pattern I'm seeing here is Charlotte goes first. So Charlotte, tell me a little bit about um, your bike story. How did you come to bikes? Did you ride as a kid, adult, whatever that is for you? Um, you know, like many things in my life, uh, my, as a child, my parents really tried to get me to ride bikes a lot. My parents have always been big cyclists. I therefore thought it was really uncool and did not enjoy it at all growing up. My biggest <laughs> fear when I have to you know, someday. Really, okay. I've learned 
as an adult that my parents were right about nearly everything. And they are still cooler than me. And I'm pretty cool. So I feel like that says a lot about who they are. But I got started getting into biking when I went to undergrad in Minnesota and I was a college student in the Twin Cities. And I, you know, you go to the Twin Cities, especially at that time in sort of the late 2000s, bike culture there was just absolutely booming. And on my college campus, I started to get involved with the bike group on campus and started riding my bike all around the city. I was getting involved in fixed gear culture and really was very heavily influenced by a lot of these really rad women who were leading the bike group on campus. They were the ones wrenching at the open shops. They were also really involved with a bunch of other bike co-ops and bike organizations in the Twin Cities. And those women were really influential to me in my journey in biking. And so from the very beginning of when I started getting into riding, it was always through a, a pretty gendered lens of thinking about kind of gender empowerment and feeling really independent and exploring the city on my bike. And that was really, for me, the entry point to biking. And that those themes have been fairly consistent for me throughout, you know, my decade and a half now um, riding bikes. Nice. Kristen, you're up. I don't know if I knew all of that, Charlotte. That's fun to hear. <laughs> um, I... Um, I also rode bikes as a kid. Um, my parents did not push cycling on me. Um, I'm trying not to do that with my son because I'm hopeful that he will find it in his own right. Um, <laughs> but we will see. Um, and I really, in some ways, my cycling story is typical because I'm an ex-runner. Um, I feel like a lot of cyclists are ex-runners. Mm -hmm. um, and I got into cycling longer um, distances for a variety of reasons but the biggest one really is related to what Charlotte said gender empowerment um I was living in Philadelphia had just gotten married kind of had like a feminist crisis um it was like what does it mean to be a married woman in <laughs> this day and age and a good friend of mine um invited me to attend a training series to build up to the Rafa 100, mm -hmm. uh, women's 100 ride. And I was basically just commuting to and from grad school at that point. And I was like, sure, why not? And um, got bit real bad by the endurance cycling bug and met a whole bunch of really cool women. And then they all were applying to a development racing team in Philadelphia. And at first I thought, no way, I'm not a competitive person. Racing scares me, but I didn't want to be left out. So I applied to this development racing team um, called WBPHL Racing, um, which is now We Bike PHL Racing. It's a um, development team for femme, trans, and women um, people. And that was like hugely transformative. So I started racing road through that development team and then bought a cyclocross bike thinking it was going to be my last bike. And of course it was not, it was just the gateway drug to mountain biking. And now I pretty much identify exclusively as a mountain biker. Um, so I've raced road cyclocross and mountain, but I think, I think my heart's most, um, in mountain biking. Yeah. I hearing you talk about that. I think about like 
So my older sister, I, I mean, I grew up riding bikes, but when I was going to college in Boston, I had like an internship at an inconvenient tea location. And so my sister gave me like just this beat up bike to ride back and forth. And I realized commuting was really great. And I graduated and she was like, all right, come ride long distances with me. Now you have free time and disposable income. I was like, uh, okay. But very quickly, she was like, you have to know how to change your own tire. Like this is just full stop. You must be able to take care of yourself. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> she's a mechanical engineer. So we, uh, we definitely made sure. And from there, I ended up taking like mechanics courses and everything. So I really dug deep into it, but yeah, I totally feel that of like, Oh God, it hurts my soul. Sometimes when I hear women are like, Oh, my husband always changes it for me. I'm like, Oh, please don't do that. It's so easy. I can show you. Um, but anyway, so I'm just going on a tangent because I like talking, but I just know that, makes, that, that makes sense. Like <laughs> one of the things that I loved most about the development team that I was on was that it was, you know, about empowering FTW people from all angles, right? Not mm -hmm. only to give them competitive spaces where you can like be competitive without being judged or stigmatized, but also like how to um, fuel your body for these yeah. types of activities and how to like maintain your bike and how to support your teammates on and off bike. And so it was really kind of like an interdisciplinary. It's not just about being able to pedal fast, you know, or mm -hmm. pedal X number of miles. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to understand because a lot of this stuff almost uh, surprises people when it gets, you know, into those, like, if you're really going to start getting into it, suddenly you're like, whoa, this is way deeper than I thought it was going to be once you start doing longer distances. Um, but it sounds like you both kind of have a background in organizing or at least being part of organized groups and, and, uh, teams and whatnot. So, uh, I guess, again, we'll kick it back to Charlotte of, you know, what kind of started, Hustle to hustle hive start as cyclocross and then move to mountain biking, or is that just in my head? It started as a dirt team that was more okay. cyclocross focused. I remember when it started. Yeah. Yeah. And has migrated to being a primarily mountain bike team, which is a mm -hmm. transition I 100% support. Okay. Uh, so hustle hive started partially because you know, this sort of goes back to my organizing background was I had founded Femcanics in Boston, which is a group for fem, fem trans women, um, really focused on bike repair, kind of going back to your point of, mm -hmm. you know, trying to provide space for folks who have generally not felt super welcome in bike shops or, or to, try, to really try to create a space that was really welcoming to all sorts of folks uh, to come and learn about their bikes. And we did winter riding workshops, but it was very focused on introdu introductory level, whether it was bike camping or kind of intro to maybe a 15, 20 mile ride. And that was awesome and great. And I'm really proud of that space, but both selfishly and others were, were looking to get more competitive in their racing. And it felt like at that time in the Boston area, there were a lot of great teams, but none that were really focused on the, you know, women trans femme space in, you know, dirt racing, whether it was cross or mountain bike, that was, you know, on this as our, you know, tagline on the fun side of fast. That we weren't <laughs> trying to be the most competitive team out there, even though we would support people who who that was their their goal. We always wanted to still be a fun team. And so we wanted to create a space that was a little more focused on that. So Hannah Rossi, Bridget Darby, and I had gotten together and said, okay, let's 
let's try to think of how to start a team like this because we feel like there's a real need for it and that there are other folks out there who are searching for this space. That there's you know these really intro level and pretty elite teams, but there isn't a whole lot in the middle. And that at that time, that was really what we were seeking to be. And you know, we spent a couple of years when I was in Boston round one, being that kind of team, being a, cro being a cross-focused team, but still having community rides that were aimed at getting people who were you know, on distance rides, maybe hadn't done a lot of dirt riding or wanted to get to know trails a little bit more in a supportive environment. We also would go to races and tell people, hey, if you're looking for people to ride a lap with, you know, if you don't know anyone there, come up to and talk to us. Like, we'll be your welcoming community there, which can be a really intimidating thing, especially for FTW riders who maybe don't have a community at these races. And mm -hmm. so that was, you know, that was sort of who we were hoping to be. And I think that we were successful in doing that. And I think that the team has now evolved and grown and continued to sort of morph to what people um, wanted it to be. And I'm like so blown away and impressed by what Kristen and others have done with the team since I was, yeah, out, out in California for a few years. Um, yeah. And Kristen would love to hear from you about kind of how you've seen those last three years and that transition happening. Yeah. Um, I similarly kind of grew up as a cyclist in FTW spaces that both supported competitiveness, but also like supportiveness. And so I actually, I was Instagram stalking Hustle Hive as soon as I got a job offer in the Boston area. I was like, they have to let me on the team. I don't know how this is gonna work otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but um, similarly, like when I was on um, the development racing team, that was like very much like an introduction to like an intensive introduction to racing. And then I transitioned to um, an FTW team, one of the many FTW teams actually in the Philly area um, called Bellow Dash that was similarly a dirt focused team, very similar vibe to Hustle High, like fun side of fast was not our motto, but very much um, in line with that. And so yeah, I, I just kind of kept showing up to Hustle Hive community rides until <laughs> they opened applications <laughs> and it worked out well um, because it, it really feels um, like since I, you know, it's just such a similar space to what, you know, Charlotte had founded and what I had like learned about cycling competitively and it felt really natural. Um, and in the past couple of years, obviously the past couple of years have been marked by the pandemic. Um, we had a pretty, um, we had a couple like transitions, life transitions, you know, pandemic transitions. And at the beginning of this year, there were four of us on the team and we kind of sat down and uh, we, we said that, well, we're all more excited about mountain biking than cyclocross. And now that um, Salty Women, as a cyclocross, FTW cyclocross team in our area, we kind of thought that it made sense to focus our community building and racing efforts on mountain biking without obviously excluding other disciplines or, you know, we support, you know, whatever people want to be riding. But um, I think it was helpful to kind of focus our recruitment efforts on people who are really jazzed about mountain biking, because we've got a really strong cohort now of there's 14 of us and 
we all, um, yeah, I know <laughs> you can't teach those reactions. That's like sparkle hands. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the biggest, it's the biggest the team has ever been by a bit. And it's just, I think says a lot about how the cycling community has grown and how excitement around mountain biking amongst FTW folks has grown that we got so many applications and so many people excited about what Hustle Hive is doing. And I think it just means more teams should start. You know, there yeah. should be more teams out there. And sorry, I'm just going to say that, Kristen, you might have been Hustle Hive or um, Instagram stalking Hustle Hive. Hustle Hive was definitely Instagram stalking every Philly race team because Philly just has this incredible FTW bike racing ecosystem that I would just would love to see the Boston area replicate because I'm just very jealous of that scene there. It just seems so cool. Yeah, I, I also um, have grand aspirations. Um, and I think one of the things um, that like we could learn in Boston from the Philly area is that, you know, on this development team, if you were a cohort, it, like if you were a, a new member of the racing team in year one, then in year two, you're expected to mentor. And so then mm -hmm. all of the year two people who were participating were expected to mentor or contribute in some way in year three. And so it was this really great pyramid scheme um, in the best sense of the term, where the program was empowering people to share their experience on bikes without being a cat one racer, right? Without mm -hmm. having years of racing experience. Because at a certain point, like you just need someone who knows a little bit more than you and is a little bit more confident than you and has a little bit more connections than you. And that's what it takes to show up. Um, so yeah, I have I have grand aspirations. Um, maybe I, I have like my sabbatical from um, teaching kind of slotted on my calendar. I have way too many goals, but that's kind of, what <laughs> I mean, I just recently did, uh, seven months of unemployment. It was pretty great. I, I, I highly recommend it for anyone who can make it work. I was receiving unemployment, so I was able to make it work. Um, I'd also, uh, I just wanted to say too, when we're having this discussion, you know, we keep talking about FTW and if anyone doesn't know on who's listening or watching right now. Um, that's the femme trans women, which I know you've said as well. And then I'll also tack on the non-binary non as well, which uh, I know for things like, um, uh, it used to be the FTW Explorers is now the RAR Explorers, which I love that name. And again, it's just, we're always looking for ways to include more people into this, this world. Um, in whatever way we can. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, but that sounds amazing. So let's, let's talk about those aspirations. Where do you see this going? Do you, do you think you'll expand past 14 people have branches, create little franchises? Like what's, what's, what's the goal? multi-million dollar operation. I, think. <laughs> yeah, I, like this, I like this idea of a multi-level marketing scheme of mentorship. Uh, I like thinking of Hustle Hive as a pyramid scheme. You know, I think, I think one thing that we're thinking about and focusing on this season is partnership and how can we support and empower other groups. You know, I think there's, there's a kind of natural limit to how big any one team will get. Because mm -hmm. I think part of what makes a team really special is that sense of community and the support you get from your teammates. And I think there is sort of a limit to how big a team can get and still maintain that, that close-knit sense of community. And also that 
that feeling of accountability that everyone contributes to the team. Everyone has a role to play in the team. Mm -hmm. But I do think that our role is to support other groups uh, and to partner with them and to, you know, for example, actually, and Kristen, this is something that's just happened today that we haven't talked about yet, which is, you know, for example, another- Am I getting, wait, am I getting a scoop? Is that what's happening right now? We can call this a scoop. Um, (laughs) That, you know, for example, Hustle Hive has experience navigating sponsorship in the past, you know, and uh, a group reached out today from uh, another group in Boston saying like, hey, we're about to do sponsorship for the first time. Can we talk to you about that and learn from your experience? And that's something that we can absolutely offer other teams and other groups and say, yeah, let's talk about how you navigate an MOU or a memorandum of understanding with a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And so I think when when I think about growing Hustle Hive and growing the influence of the group, it's not necessarily in our numbers, but really in our partnerships and how we work to support other groups and build that ecosystem. Yeah. That so makes- Kristen, I, I don't know if that scoop is that, I mean, I think that scoop isn't a surprise to you. <laughs> yeah, curious if you, where you see things going this year. <laughs> I'm like absolutely on the same page. I think our main goals this year are, um, we were able to onboard a lot of people with experience racing and some people with, you know, who are pretty new to the mountain bike racing scene. And so our goals, you know, for immediate team members are to support these, you know, newer racers through hopefully what can be a full season of races. Come on, pandemic, we'll see. Um, and then we also, a lot of our new team members have um, extensive experience leading rides and community organizing. And so we're, we've partnered with NEMBA, the Northeastern Mountain Biking Association to lead the Tuesday night femme trans women non-binary rides, uh, which are at six o'clock um, right now in Beaverbrook. Okay, shameless question. plug. My <laughs> um, sister, I think, has been to at least one of those. So oh, great, cool. <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to support, you know, the racers, uh, the people racing a full season on the team, and then also create some infrastructure so that so many people in the area just want to ride with other people especially Mm -hmm. after such isolating times. And so we're trying to create some of those structures so that we can reach more people in the ways that we're equipped to do, but then also make partnerships when, when our bandwidth is limited. Cool. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I know for myself with community organizing, like it's, it's so hard. So it's nice that you have like all this fresh blood in your group to really keep everything it's, moving. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, it's truly the best. And as someone who has founded many bike groups of uh, various types in different places, to me, the best thing is seeing it at last you, right? And mm-hmm. grow and change and morph into a new vision and, and that other people take sort of ownership of that vision. And there's always a little bit of a scary leap of, you know, a little bit of a jump, right? There were, as Kristen alluded to, some folks had some pandemic transitions, the, the team really shrunk in size. And there's that moment of, okay, is it going to make the next jump to the next sort of group that's going to latch on to it? And so I think it's really exciting to see this new moment in Hustle Hive where, yeah, it's, it's made that next jump and that's really exciting. 
Yeah, it kind of feels like a renaissance this year. Oh, (laughs) I'm so excited about it. Excellent. (laughs) I'm very excited about it, despite the fact, you know, you're uh, pregnant. I have been injured for the last two months and haven't (laughs) ridden a bike in two months, but I'm so excited to ride with Hustle Hive when I'm able to do that again. And I'm just very excited about where the team is at right now. Yeah, people keep asking, they're like, are you excited to have the baby? I'm like, I'm excited to not be pregnant so I can ride my bike comfortably again. I mean, yes, obviously like I'm excited about the baby too, but like, um, yeah, my mountain bike is my only comfortable bike right now. Um, so I'm just, you know, staying true to, to, Mm -hmm. true to brand, but for different reasons. (laughs) Um, I feel like this question has partially been answered already, but what is it about the bike? that draws you like for me, for example, it has a lot to do with this kind of feeling of freedom. I can be on my own time schedule. I know exactly how long it will take me to get somewhere. Assuming I don't get a flat tire. Um, you know, I can go to really cool places and not have to, you know, kill myself, trying to find a parking spot or do all this stuff. Like I just, it just gives me this freedom of mobility. Charlotte, I think you're first. Yeah, just a, a simple question. Yeah. So that's you know, what I, I do here. <laughs> Softball. I think, I think for me, you know, like you, very drawn to it because of that aspect of, of freedom and that feeling of empowerment. But for me, you know, it does really come back to the sense of uh, like gender empowerment. And it was my first introduction to community organizing. You know, for me, it also you know, and this is a whole other story, but I spent many years doing international development work with bikes, traveled all over the world, organizing with folks in different places on bikes, especially with women. And to me, bikes being so universal that you can go anywhere in the world and find people riding bikes and be able to relate to them about that. I mean, I have spent just in incredible amount of time sitting on the curb in different places around the world, outside different bike shops, just, you know, fixing flat tires. And that that is the same everywhere. And it can be this really universal thing to connect to people and to relate to people who are different than you or who you weren't sure you had things in common with. I think that to me has been what has kept me coming back to bikes again and again. And, you know, these days mountain biking is probably my main thing. And other times it's been bike commuting was really what bike commuting alley cats and fixed gears were what got me into biking. You know, I've played in bike polo tournaments all over the world and I haven't done any road racing. That's the only thing that I've, that I haven't done. And I'm kind of okay with that. (laughs) I don't think I need to get into it, but I think, yeah, the fact that you can do it anywhere and that sense of community, when you meet other people who are just really jazzed on it, it's that is a really cool thing to find. Mm-hmm. I want to second everything that was said. Um, for me, why the bike? I mean, definitely it's a form of community and connection and feeling free and strong. But beyond that, which I think people can find in other sports, um, for me, um, I used to rock climb a lot. And I really liked the aspect of rock climbing where you were like solving a puzzle as you were, you know, climbing the wall in addition to like the physical fitness aspect of it. 
And that's one of the things I really like about mountain biking is that you're puzzle solving as mm. you're riding the trail. And especially with a full-time job and parenting responsibilities, like something that gets me out of my head and just like totally focused in the moment where I like, I can't be thinking about anything other than not hitting the tree, you know, having my weight in the right position as I'm going over this roller. Like it is just, it's just cathartic um, after like a great mountain bike ride. And so I think, especially, you know, why mountain biking for me, it's that level of technical challenge in addition to physical fitness that kind of makes you forget about everything else that's going on in your life. Um, and biking in general is a great sport for me. I suffer from chronic pain from a um, neck injury that I had in 2010. And so it's relatively low impact, assuming you don't crash too much. Um, <laughs> and I like that you can see people of all ages, sizes, backgrounds, riding bikes. Um, I hope to be able to ride bikes with my kids and I hope to be that like seven year old who shows up to race a cyclocross race, you know, if they want to. Um, so I, I like that it kind of can grow and morph as, as your body changes and needs change and interests change. I love that. Cause that's also the universal thing that Charlotte brought up. So from the international side and then from the side of like everybody, but yeah, the, I just did, uh, my fourth climate ride last fall and, uh, I went back to Maine and there's this woman, she was like, I think she was 84. And she was telling us that for her 80th birthday, she biked up smuggler's notch, which for anyone listening, who's unfamiliar, like wicked steep climb up the side of a mountain, like crazy intense thing to do. And she was 80 and she's like, I just wanted to see if I could still do it. I used to do it a lot when I was younger. We were like, okay, great. Like, that's amazing. Congratulations. So I agree. I want to be here one day. She was like, she's that person that I, I want to be. Yeah. That sounds rad. Like <laughs> right. aspirations. I know. Uh, and I, I was going to say from what Kristen was saying about, um, you know, your concentration in the forest when you're mountain biking. The other thing I think about a lot mountain biking was a friend of mine once said that, or he describes mountain biking as like a video game where each part of the forest is, a, is like a different level of the game, you know? <laughs> and I think that's something to me as someone who likes to go hiking and camping and thinks a lot about trees just recreationally, not mm -hmm. professionally, but um, how you get really attuned to how the landscape changes from one part of a trail section to another. Like you're going through a pine, you're going through like the pine tree level of the video game and then the oak tree level and then the rocky level. Um, and I love that part of mountain biking is just getting really especially when you go back to a, the same trail system again and again, and you really get to know it, that sense of the different levels. Uh, yeah. I just think it's really fun. I uh, love the metaphor. Yeah, me too. As someone uh, who doesn't play video games, but when he said that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It has kind of that, like, like uh classic Mario kind of style to it. Of each level, you know, you have bricks and then you have rocks and dungeons and all that <laughs> um, and do do people who play video games warm up because I think one of the like <laughs> difficult things about mountain biking is that like 
it takes me like 20 minutes of mountain biking to like not only remember how to like pedal but like how to process the trail fast enough like to make decisions and yeah. so I'm I, like I'm not my, I should have asked my partner who plays great video games. question but like I don't... it takes me a while to warm up to the video game right and the the like reaction time <laughs> I mean I think there is a certain element to that I don't play a lot of crazy games but sometimes it takes if I've played like different games recently and I come back to a game I haven't played in a while it takes me a second to like reorient the buttons one game x's jump one game triangles jump and you're like ugh you just have to like relearn that stuff. So I think it's very relevant. Uh, I think that's a great point. I was also going to say as someone who prefers road riding because it's so smooth compared to mountain biking, I normally, um, I normally describe myself as someone I'm not much of a hiker. Like I like a, like a stroll through the woods, you know, um, a leisurely walk around forests, but talking about like hiking up a mountain doesn't appeal to me, but I'd rather bike up a mountain. Like I would mountain bike over hiking any day. That's like my levels here. You'll have to share your road routes because I swear there are many mountain bike trails that feel less bumpy to me than the roads near where I live. I so mean, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong, especially in this area. Um, but as we round out this conversation, I just have one more question for both of you, which is um, to talk a little bit about what you do outside of biking. Because Charlotte and Kristen, now that we've met as well, because I've met Charlotte before. Um, you know, I know you as bike people, bike friends, stuff like that. So what, what do you do outside of biking hobbies or, or just simple pleasures? Sure. I'll, uh, I'll go first since that's been the pattern. So after, you know, for over a decade doing bikes professionally as well, uh, since going to grad school, I've actually transitioned and I now work in the energy uh, industry. So these days I spend a lot of time thinking about clean energy development and how we are going to meet this massive challenge of transitioning our grid to clean energy. And it's complicated and fascinating and has a lot of really interesting questions about trade-offs and equity. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about that because I think it's so interesting and important. But uh, outside of that, I like to camp. I like to go for hikes. I am really into cooking, like really into cooking. Love to make really elaborate meals. What's your favorite meal? Ugh. So I'm, I'm most excited and interested in cooking uh, different kinds of Northern Chinese food. That's my main thing. So I like to make sort of flour noodles, making sort of different steamed buns. That's my, that's the stuff I get most excited about. Um, Sounds yummy. Especially the pandemic was a, you know, was a time to get really into cooking, mostly Mm -hmm. because I think food is the best part of life. So um, that's really why I'm very passionate about cooking. So yeah, those are sort of some of the things I'm into and things I think about outside of the hustle hive. Nice. Kristen. Um, I'm happy to eat any of your food at any point, (laughs) just putting that on the record. Um, I uh, professionally, I teach at the university level. I teach Spanish and Latin American literature and culture at Brandeis University in Waltham. Um, So I spend a lot of my days 
thinking about pedagogy and figuring out how to break down complex processes for people while speaking in a foreign language, um, which ironically translates or coincidentally translates a lot to like biking um, and kind of empowering new writers. Uh, so that's me. I'm a total nerd uh, professionally. And, and I guess personally, that's just who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and outside other hobbies beyond cycling, I mean, as a parent working outside the home full time, I don't have time for that many hobbies. So cycling's my main hobby. Uh, I enjoy playing board games after mm -hmm. my son goes to bed. And how old is he? Uh, he'll be three in a couple days. Um, oh, okay. He's so, almost ready for those junior games. I play a lot of those, my six-year-old nephew. Ooh, that's interesting. I haven't even mm. thought about board games with him. We have um, Monopoly Junior, Clue Junior. Clue Junior is fun because he has no sense of like, um, he thinks he's being sneaky, but he's really not. And so he'll, he'll be like, oh, you don't need to look under that one over there because I already checked it and it's not a thing. And you're like, why are you telling me this? And then he gets mad at you when you don't check it. <laughs> We're at that level with like hide and seek. Like, oh, I'm going to be really sneaky and hide in the same place where I just did. And I'm going to tell you that I'm going to hide in the same place. Yep. And you better act surprised. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me. I like hiking as well. Um, life much junior time. too sorry life oh, junior, life junior. Really okay fun. that's a good one really simple <laughs> to play add these to my list um <laughs> yeah that sounds like you need as much to start in the woods as possible sounds like you need to start another podcast laura where you review <laughs> junior board games maybe with your nephew that would be so cute just like just be the recording of the two of us playing i think would be enough that would be adorable. <laughs> All right. I, I like these ideas. I'm going to keep this in my back pocket. <laughs> um, well, excellent. Sorry, Kristen, did you have any other things that you want to talk? Okay. I just want to make sure. No. <laughs> I can't really fit any more things into my life. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I went over to my sister's to spend two hours doing a puzzle because if we don't finish it soon, she'll never get a chance to finish it because people keep putting stuff on top of it. I understand the plight of trying to do too many things. So, um, excellent. Well, that concludes our conversation. <laughs> I'm still working on my outros. They're really hard. I got to tell you, but, uh, Thank you, Charlotte and Kristen, for your time uh, and for talking to us about the Hustle Hive. I will have, um, obviously, links to your socials or any other uh, links that you want in there about the Hustle Hive in the show notes. And I think that about wraps it up on our deeper look today. Thanks anything, for having us, Laura. Anything else you need to share? No. I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> Come ride with us on Tuesdays in Beaverbrook. Uh, I'll think about it. Tuesdays are tough for me, but my, my biggest challenge is one, I don't have a mountain bike and two, I don't have a car. So, but it's that's not that actually, far away. That's actually one of our aspirations is eventually as stock recovers from the pandemic to create some sort of bike library so that people oh. can borrow a bike to try out a new discipline because that's how I first tried cyclocross. And I would not be a mountain biker today if I had not had access 
to a bike library when I was in grad school. So that is a great idea. Stay like tuned. A lot. <laughs> Another scoop. I got it. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for being here today and for talking to me. I really appreciate it. All right. And we are back for our final segment. We're going to be playing a fun little game today. But before we dive into that, Bridget, we were just chatting and you wanted to share something on mic for all of our listeners to hear. Can you tell me what that was? <laughs> yes, I can. Um, this is probably the most important thing that I will talk about today, which is Watson, the dog. Uh, the bike dog. <laughs> Get it right. The bike dog. Watson, the bike dog. I always think of him as watching the adventure dog for some reason. I, that's fair too. I don't know why. Uh, so one of my favorite things about today, probably my favorite thing, was that I was riding, so I'm riding behind LJ and every once in a while, you know, we need to, you know, we're, we're on a path. There's some walkers we need to go around. And so LJ rings her bell, goes around. And then as I'm passing them, they notice Watson in the backpack and it's just gushing just oh my god do you see him oh my god look at him and it was just the most precious thing um as he's just looking super cool in his doggles and people are just like it's just a joy to see people's day absolutely made by seeing watson and now i feel like i'm gonna have a pavlovian response when every time i hear a bell i'm gonna just go <laughs> oh <laughs> because i don't think there was a single time <laughs> that it wasn't the you rang your bell and there wasn't instantly just multiple people going, <gasps> do you see that dog? That dog's in a backpack. That dog is wearing goggles. <laughs> he, he is a sight to see on the, on the path. I think I like to think of him as the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. So I never have to worry that uh, if I'm doing something that someone doesn't like with my bicycle, <laughs> they instantly look up, see a dog and forget it all. Oh, yeah. And just are like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So. Like any anger just <laughs> melts away yeah. instantly. He He's really creating a peaceful coalition between <laughs> cars, pedestrians and bikes, which actually... Uh, Bridget, you are just the master of segues, I have to say, even though I'm the one making them. I, say, I didn't do any work <laughs> on this one, so uh, thank you for the credit. Because that's going to take us into the game today. So Game time. The game we're going to play today is called Real or Fake. Now, I'm going to read you comments that were <gasps> made by, I assume, real people about real humans who ride their bicycles. Now, just for uh, a bit of context, um, there is a uh, website that I won't directly name because I don't want to give it too much life, but I think most people are aware of it. It's kind of your neighborhood watch type of <laughs> website. Yeah, and um, every time there's any type of uh, post that has anything to do with bicycles, there can be anywhere from a couple of hundred comments to this one thread that I was looking at that has 463 comments Whoa! on just one post. So these comments were pulled from a post that was made about people riding around. I, did, I, I went to two different posts, but it was all about people riding around in the city on their bicycles. So your job is to tell me, is this a real comment someone made about real humans who ride bicycles, or did I make it up? Okay. <laughs> it All Brilliant. right. Number one. Yeah, 
that's the reason I don't really give them leeway on the road at all. As a group, they are very rude with a sense of entitlement. I wasn't sure until you said entitlement, and that made me decide it was real. <laughs> that is a very real comment made about someone. They're, that's one of the favorite words that people like to use is entitlement. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that good sounds call. like, yeah, that, that just <laughs> sounded right. Uh, all right, number two. Why do people ride bikes when they spend all of their time on here complaining about how dangerous it is? <gasps> Ooh. Fake. That is fake. <gasps> I know. What, the really? sentence structure was too too good, right? <laughs> no, I, uh, I've seen similar things, but yeah, I've never had anyone outright say that to me. Um, number three, I couldn't disagree with you more. I think cyclists are ruining the city. I think their <laughs> attitude, their physical presence, their righteous indignation, their disrespect, it's extremely negative. <laughs> indignation oh my god real (laughs) (laughs) there's just there's like some key words that just really sound like oh i've heard someone yelling that yeah (laughs) out the window all right uh number four you're crushing it three for three all right number four if a bike runs a red light and a car swerves to avoid hitting this bike and runs up on a sidewalk and kills a pedestrian would that be considered one of those Non fender benders. <laughs> non fender what? Uh, real. <laughs> that is a very real thing. At the one of my favorites. Just to seg to uh, side note for a moment. One of my absolute favorites. When I do look through these posts, I try to be, I try to be very civil. I only point out actual facts. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to be antagonistic. You know, be positive. Thank people when they're being polite. But I, I do get a great enjoyment from these people who will just come up with some of the most ridiculous scenarios. And it's always this very extreme hypothetical. Well, what if this extremely unlikely, never going to happen situation happens? Then you're wrong, right? And I'm right. like, oh, my God. Why are we even going there? Why? Why? Just why? It's also, it's so interesting because I think so many times the folks who get really frustrated with cyclists, what I, I guess I, what I wish could be the dialogue a lot of times. And I've heard other folks say this too, is just that like the infrastructure that would prevent these sort of scenarios from happening is good for everyone. Like at least for safety. Like I understand that for some drivers, it might make things slightly more inconvenient, but really like other Cyclists that, want the infrastructure that's going to prevent that too. Inconvenience is the end of the world. Don't you yeah, know that? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> it is apocalypse causing. <laughs> so, anyway, so so oh. far you are four for four. Four for so four. Let's see if you can get uh, the rest of these. Um, all right, number five. I believe that it is wrong for bike for bicycles to be on the road. I pay excise tax and sales tax for my car. I have the right to be there. Oh, real. <laughs> no, that one's fake. But, no! oh! <laughs> but I did get you with that excise oh, tax, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, it was the excise tax. <laughs> Especially because that's, I've, um, this is a, a fairly 
new argument that I've heard. I mean, I'm sure it's not a new argument, but it's new to me. Yeah. I've heard it a lot recently, especially and in the last like election cycle. Yeah. And to be fair, I was intentionally trying to trick you because <laughs> there have been comments with that, but I've never seen the combination of excise tax and right to the road. It's more of like, well, they should pay taxes if they want to ride here. It's like we, we do. Also, mm -hmm. most cyclists own cars. I don't personally. Oh, but really? I know a lot of people who I ride their I bikes also own cars yeah. and so this idea that the bike has to pay its extra taxes doesn't make any sense because believe me i i, <laughs> I pay plenty of taxes to be out Not here evading on these roads. taxes <laughs> <laughs> all right next one when i see a bike on the road i like to play a game 10 points if it's startled 20 if they look upset at me and 100 if i force them off the road entirely oh watson I'm going to phone a Watson. <laughs> Watson, Watson, Watson he's can, you, can you weigh in here? Oh, no, he's asleep in the sun. All right. Wait, could, could, could you read me the point system again? Uh, it was 10 points if they're startled, 20 if they look like they're upset with me, and 100 if I can force them off the road entirely. Real? No, it's fake. Ow! But the fact that your, your horrified look that you thought that might be real did endear me a little bit because... <laughs> I haven't specifically seen anything quite this cruel, but some people can make some really intense comments on yeah, there. That sounded like a super troll. Okay. So rounding out number seven, this is the last one. Okay. Uh, I don't, by the way, as I read this, I don't know who Kelly is. She was just another poster. So just don't be thrown by that. I agree with Kelly wholeheartedly. I have often felt complete disdain, if not out and out hate for bike riders on any given day. I've had so many bad experiences as a walker and I hate what those bike lanes have done to the streets and how they have no regard for the small businesses in their way. A civil war. It sometimes what? feels like that. My feelings toward bike riders are very similar to how I feel about conservatives. I find their attitudes and righteous indignation selfish, myopic, short-sighted, and without care for their neighbors. Wow. Real. That is a very real comment. I thought I gave it away with the Kelly thing. And I was like, oh, wait, I just told you there was another poster. No. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is a real comment by a real woman. And I remember I was part of that chain thread where at first it was just all oh, that's so frustrating. These bikes, blah, blah, blah. And that happens. You know, that's OK. We, we're having a dialogue. Then all of a sudden she's like, I just feel out and out hate for these bikes. And we're like, whoa, whoa. whoa someone just turned a corner in this comment thread. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. It was very intense. Uh, but yeah, that, that is a real quite comment, the comment made by a person who thinks that bike riders are like conservatives. She also called people Trump supporters, but that comment was taken down at one point. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why would she? That seems like probably not. I don't think the Venn diagram of cyclists and Trump supporters is like very I don't big. Think, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't think that overlaps a whole lot. No, I don't. I don't think I know any, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but Bridget, you won. Woo! You only missed one out of seven. I, you I know, thought I missed two. Did I miss two? You might miss two. It's fine. You won the I'll game. <laughs> Not to copy uh, John Lovett and his, but <laughs> you won the game. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Air five. That was a fun game. Oh, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps on the very first Friends on Bikes eating dessert. I will be giving 
Bridget some leftovers before she leaves today. And I want to thank yes. everybody for listening. Bridget, do you have any um, plugs or shout outs that you want to throw uh, in here? I just want to say thanks for getting me back on my bike. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Watson. <laughs> my boy Watson. My, he's not my boy, but he's my he's who I aspire to be one day. <laughs> aspire to be as cool as Watson. Um, yeah, and I encourage anyone to also, you know, call up a friend who bikes. And if you're new to biking and have them take you on a ride, because this was really helpful for me. Um, and I will also plug then uh, my show slash now podcast called Blittle League. That's B-L-I-T-T-L-E. So little with a B in front of it. League, which is a uh, tabletop RPG um, show where myself and four other people play 10-year-olds with superpowers who play in little league in a world that's full of monsters and angels and demons and we're the ones who have to protect the world from all of those forces so it's a it's a horror show but it's also really fun and has a lot of heart um and we do the show live tuesdays at 8 p.m on twitch at the splort hub so that's the sports like sports with an l hub (laughs) (laughs) and then you can also find us in podcast form um, we're slowly trickling them out uh, on anywhere you get your podcasts. Excellent. I love that. That is a wrap on episode 13, folks. As a quick reminder, I do have a bunch of rides coming up. I mentioned my REI ride. That's the big one. Make sure you RSVP. It's going to be on June 23rd, and it should be a really good time. So look for that link in the show notes. Thank you to Gabby Bridget. Kristen, Charlotte, and Bridget again, which in retrospect, apologies, everyone. There were two separate Bridgets on this call, Bridget Tan and Bridget Copes. Um, Both wonderful people, but yeah, that might have been a little confusing when you heard two very different voices. Uh, Thank you for coming and chatting with me today. The theme and music is by the extremely talented Kate Hardley. Don't forget her album, West, is now available. I've listened. It's incredible. Um, At katehardley.bandcamp.com. This podcast is hosted, produced, recorded, and edited by me, Laura Jillian, with an honorable mention to Watson, the bike dog, for his contributions throughout the show. For more information about the show and biking, you can visit my website, randonista.com, and follow my adventures in biking and more behind the scenes of the pod at randonista on Instagram, randonista on YouTube, and Watson's biking adventures at Watson the bike dog on Instagram. And if you really like the show, please rate and review on the podcast app of choice. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, your Watson moment. Bless you, Watson. Oh, I knew you were going to join us at some point because someone's barking in the distance, are they? Oh, Watson. I know. I hear a dog in the background. Okay. Oh, it's someone inside. That's the problem. All right. Well, let's hush you. Because otherwise the two of you are just going to feed off of each other. Of course, we're still recording, so that's always super fun. Come here. Okay. Sit. 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 Come on. Three more you down. Good boy. Okay. And we're back. Walk right by you. Oh. oh. Okay, I didn't actually... Ooh. Shh, shh, shh. Hey. <laughs> Watson feels bad for you, too. Oh, thank you, Watson.